Hey, BJ, this is Eric, fellow Cheesehead and Milwaukeean. Actually just crushed some five guys as well. Just wanted to reach out, um, say just keep doing all the good things. Really appreciate all the content. Have followed you for a couple years. Uh, really enjoyed what you're putting out. And just congrats on all the successes. It's been awesome to watch your kind of transformation, maturation, you know, as you've kind of gone off and done your own thing. I just want to also let you know, too, the 37 podcast was probably the best one that you've done. Really enjoyed the podcast. Your wife and you are hilarious. But uh, the 37 lessons, you know, there's a lot, a lot of good, valuable content in there. Entrepreneur myself, also in the fitness realm, uh, and I just found myself kind of nodding in agreement the whole time. So keep evolving, my man. Keep being a pioneer and appreciate everything you do. Thanks. Yo, BJ Gajor with the weekly BJ podcast and a special thanks to my fellow Wisconsinite, Milltown native, Eric. Thank you so much for the kind message. I love getting messages from you guys on Anchor, which by the way is the best listening experience because you can hear music that goes with this, including the tailgate tune classic, "The Bear Still Suck. So be sure to check that out if you can. You can also send me these voice messages and give me praise, which I love. And you can also ask me questions. We have another question today I will share in a second. That is the foundation of today's episode. But I wanted to thank Eric, and I wanted to say hashtag Go Pack Go. Excited about this season, even though it's you know been ugly. We're, we're 2-0. Look, two division wins. I'm not going to spend the whole time talking about this in the podcast because very few people are actually from Wisconsin, Milwaukee. We have a lot of Packer fans. I've got a lot of fans from from, uh, Wisconsin, but I am so impressed with the Packers punter, who it actually took some digging to find out his name. He doesn't even have an Instagram account. They shared these beautiful photos of him, the flexibility on this guy. I mean, this guy definitely fucks. That kicking leg goes completely perpendicular to the ground. So you know this guy is getting down and deep and dirty. His name is J.K. Scott. And he's basically won the first two games, in my opinion. The defense has been solid, okay? Definitely way better than last year. But the power of the punt game in field position management is so crucial. I never got it, really, until recently. And In college, I played Amherst College, and I was a defensive lineman. And the head coach, E.J. Mills, and he talked like this. Hey, big guy. Hey, big guy. You ready? Crank it. Crank it. And, by the way, I was so lucky to have some of the funniest fucking coaches ever. Like, anybody who knows or has played sport, usually, like, your favorite coaches were pretty much stand-up comedians that use the sport as a vehicle with which to deliver their humor. Because you got to be able to keep it light in the intensity of a season and wins and losses and injuries and doing things you don't want to do, conditioning, all that shit. X's and O's. So he was so funny, and he was also, like, he was all about the punt game. He was all about the punt game. The old defensive concept was bend, don't break. Use the punt game to make the offense have to drive 80-plus yards and expect him to make a mistake. So we'd give like three to five yards a crack, and eventually we'd turn it over. We would create a turnover. They would turn it over. They would their, The drive would stall, etc. And you can see it happen in a game. And usually those extra you know, five to ten-plus yards that a good punter can provide can often mean the difference between teams being in field goal position on one or two drives. And we're talking three or six points. And with the parity of the NFL and how many games are lost or won in a three to six point range, we're talking the difference between a six and 10 and a 10 and six team. So 
Don't ever overlook the power of a good punter in the punt game. And please give J.K. Scott some love because we need him to keep kicking asses and balls out there. All right, here's the question from our listener and the foundation of the episode with which we will talk about today. I don't know what that means, but here we go. What are the benefits of working out shoeless? Yep, that was it. That was the full question. All four seconds. I don't know who this is, but you are the Mike Tyson of podcast questions. Quick knockout, in and out of the ring, on with your day. Even Frank Dukes' record-breaking KO in Bloodsport took like 13 seconds. No name, no age, no location. Do you work for the government? Are you in witness protection? I do like how she called it shoeless. Shoeless training. It's like shoeless training is the new barefoot training. I'm just fucking with you, whoever you are. But uh, wow, that was the quickest question I've ever received. And, and honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, that might be the best question I've ever gotten. You know, when you open up an email and you, you see there's like three plus paragraphs and you're going to have to scroll just to even get to the middle of the, of, of the message. It's like, oh my God. Or there's, you see five to 10 plus question marks. It's overwhelming. And, and, and honestly, the, the chance of that being properly answered just dramatically decreases or answered at all. But as, as brief as that question was, I do appreciate you got right to the point. I would like to know who you are. You know, like I, I do care about you guys. I'd like to know a little more about you. Height, weight, social security, wire transfer number, anything you can provide that's appreciated. So yeah, uh, we, you know, I, I do, you know, Shakespeare did say brevity is the soul of wit, but a little more information next time, but I will make this episode all about you, whoever you are, wherever you live, how old, however old you are. Okay. So barefoot training benefits. And before I get into this funny little story growing up, my dad is from uh, Tunisia, North Africa, and he spent the first 27 years of his life there and he was barefoot a lot. And we kind of a running joke in the house was, you know, his African feet. Like he would just, he'd always be outside barefoot. He'd, he'd go on rocks, barefoot, stones, pebbles. And there was like this thick callus at the bottom of them. And his feet were really wide and, and his toes were really spread. And he didn't really care much for shoes. That's how he grew up. And, and he never really had, by the way, any lower body injuries. And, I, you know, that's, that's obviously a sing, single case. We can't make a, you know, broad-based training recommendations based on my dad's African feet and his experience, but just a funny thing to consider, and I was kind of the opposite. I grew up, you know, obviously a big fan. I was a sneakerhead, loved shoes, loved Jordans, AJs, and I was always in shoes. I would never be barefoot because I like to show off my shoes, and I felt like, you know, I played so much sport and basketball, et cetera, and and I ended up having a shit ton of lower body injuries. And a lot of them stemmed with issues in the feet. So many people overlook the fact that your hands and feet are very similar structures. And they don't think about what would happen to your hands. How weak and stiff would your hands be if you wore tight gloves on them all day long? Like you look at your hands now, you can just do so many things. You can spread your fingers, you can curl them, you can crunch, you can make a fist, you can go wide. They just have so much dexterity and mobility to them. And if try doing that with your feet right now, like I can't, 
And I, I do a lot of stuff barefoot now, but just because I spend so much of my life in shoes and without this concept of the importance of, you know, getting in, t in touch with your feet and how important they are, they are where the rubber hits the road and the creation of most athletic performance, force, power, etc., is going to come from the ground up and a stable, sturdy foot allows you to properly perform and execute. But I can't do that same type of movement with my toes like I can with my fingers. I can't spread my toes as far as I can my fingers. I just can't do as much with my feet naturally, instinctually as I can with my hands. And when we wear, especially these narrow shoes with really narrow toe boxes, our feet, our toes get stuck together. And that makes it very hard to create a wide, stable base when we squat, lunge, jump, run, etc. And that can cause problems. We lose that spacing. And ideally, and I should, you know, beyond the fact that many shoes have a very elevated heel, which, or overly structured, high top type of feel where it actually restricts motion at the ankle, the heel is elevated, so we're kind of pushing ourselves onto the toes, our, our calves get very tight, our ankles get restricted, can cause knee pain, it can just mess up your mechanics that way too. But you want to be able to grip the floor with your feet. That, that's a really important concept on any movement really where you're on your feet, ground-based movement. You want to be able to grip the floor with your feet, spread your toes, and create what's called a tripod foot position. All right, now the tripod is, it's the heel in the first and fifth knuckle of the toes. And creating that tripod foot position, just Google it if you need a more clear reference, it's hard to dictate, but it creates this natural arc inside the foot, which is the foundation of all ground-based on-your-feet movement. If you want to be resilient and have, have the optimum, optimum performance, etc., being in shoes all the time, especially the wrong shoe, can really make it difficult to do that. And toe strength and mobility is so important for locomotion, especially the big toe. You know, I have an issue. I've had so many issues. <laughs> Inside and outside of the gym, by the way. Working on them. 37 years in the process. And by the way, thank you so much for listening and all the comments, birthday wishes, etc. on the 37 Years, 37 Lessons podcast. Getting great reviews on that. Be sure to listen if you haven't. Again, shout out to Eric for that beautiful message in the beginning. It means a lot to me, guys. Uh, it's been a tough year for me in terms of uh, reconnecting with my passion for this. And comments like that have really helped me stay the course. And it means the world to me. But the big toe is so critical because, you know, I look at my, I've got a little more issue on my left side because uh, I really messed up the knee twice on that side. And I've got, I think possibly a botched surgical repair on on one of the surgeries where the, the lateral, I just get some lateral driving of the kneecap in a way that I don't think I can do anything about at this point. But in particular, I'm, I'm prone to rolling on the outside of the foot. And I have trouble keeping the big toe down on my left foot. And it can cause a little bit of tension in that lateral knee, sometimes a little bit of swelling. So I've got to really work hard, especially, and I do almost all my lower body training barefoot. I'll touch on recommendations, prescriptions, how to work into it, et cetera, the best moves to do it with. It's all going to be covered. But I really try to dial in my lower body stuff now, and especially the big toe on my left leg, keeping it down, because it really is how you can optimize joint positioning and force production up the entire kinetic chain. Critical stuff. 
And it's also important to look at your shoe wear. If you see that your shoes are wearing more to one side than the other, or you're pronating, supinating, you know, this is also where you always want to default to your doctor, medical professional, podiatrist who specializes in feet. These are just general fitness recommendations. So always defer to a specialist. But there are, beyond that big toe and strength and stability, you also, there's so many functional athletic benefits to being on the balls of your feet, being bouncy, being reactive. That was something when I had a lot of knee pain and, and really weak, immobile, stiff, tight feet. I, I, would, I would be more on my heels than I would be on the balls of my feet. And that's not a very athletic, reactive position. One thing that's helped me greatly is boxing. I do a lot of uh, boxing barefoot and then I use boxing shoes as well because they kind of force you a bit more to the balls of your feet and they just have a, a better ability to pivot and rotate, pivot the feet, rotate the hips the way you need to punch and move around the ring. Uh, beyond the fact that if I'm barefoot the whole time when I box, the amount of pivoting I do, and I'll touch on the best socks to wear for barefoot training coming up, but I can tend to get blisters and you know it just becomes a little bit too painful and too much on the feet. So there's a place for shoes, the right shoes, and there's a place for barefoot, and we'll talk to touch on that today. But there's this feedback loop between your feet and your brain for body position and alignment. When you wear a very thick, structured shoe, it's very difficult for the proprioceptors in your feet to get that connection with the ground. And that's the awareness of where we are in space. There's also kinesthetic awareness, the ability to perform movements on instinct without thinking. Your feet get dumb when you are constantly using them with shoes. They get dumb. It's like, like I said, you have gloves on all day, your hands will get dumb. You'll, you'll have trouble picking things up or typing or just doing things. But it doesn't happen that way because our, our hands always have a connection with our environment. So that's the importance of making sure your feet get as close to that stimulus as possible. It's going to be tough because, you know, we can't... <laughs> it's funny, in Malibu here, by the way, it's like people say Malibu is for millionaires and beach bums. And I guess there's some people in between, but you see people that just walk into stores, grocery stores, barefoot. It's an interesting place that we, we kind of like that casual beach bum vibe, but in most places you can't just walk into stores barefoot or restaurants or the gym. Like it's, it's not a good look. It's unhygienic. It's kind of gross to a lot of people, um, except Rex Ryan, um, shout out to Rex Ryan and the foot fetishes out there, but we have to find a way to get our feet in touch with the ground. Very important for health performance. Got to do it. There's also this boost in muscle activation up the kinetic chain. When I do uh, lunges and shoes, I have, have a hard time really properly pushing off the ground and feeling the muscles I'm trying to hit and, and the, the quad, particularly the, the lower inner quad VMO muscle, vastus medialis obliquus muscle. I have trouble really dialing into that with, uh, with shoe wear. When I'm barefoot, I, I can do it much better. I just get that connection with the ground and, and I can feel my feet dictating which muscles are responding more than others. When you have a really heavily structured shoe, your feet can just kind of be in the shoe and, and you can let the shoe do mo most of the work in a lot of ways and you're losing some serious training benefits for sure. And you're also, frankly, opening you up to a, a risk of injuries down the road, whether acute or chronic. We also know there's increased balance benefits, strength benefits, mobility benefits. You have uh, the extrinsic foot muscles, you know, like for example, the calves that actually drive movement through the, through the foot and the ankle. And you have these, these intrinsic foot muscles that actually operate on the feet and toes themselves within the foot. 
and you have these metatarsals or the midfoot muscles that tend to be very weak in a lot of people. A lot of people are very, uh, they're either very heel dominant or very toe on toe dominant, but not great in the middle of the foot. We lose some motion through the middle of the foot, the metatarsals. So very important to make sure that the foot has an equal amount of balance and work to it. And most movements, by the way, uh, you're going to be driving midfoot anyway. You never want to be too much toe or heel because, again, it's all about center of gravity balance and uh, going too far to one side versus the other is, is not going to put you in optimum positions to react and be strong and balanced. And there truly are, you know, there's increased resiliency and injury reduction from barefoot stuff. So there's tons of benefits. It's, again, it's not the only thing. It's not the only way. And you're going to use a mix of barefoot and shoes. Or as uh, our anonymous questioner Shoeless training. I love it. I'm just, I'm fucking, she's never, she's, I'm going to get a zero star review. It doesn't even exist, but she'll find a way. So the real key is you must be strategic with your barefoot training, knowing when to pepper it in and, and when to be smart and go more to the right shoe and how to gradually transition into it. You can't just like never do barefoot stuff and then go try to run a 5k and then wonder why your feet broke. You hear this happening because again, people are, they hear something and they go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go fucking run for three hours barefoot. But you've never, you've never even squatted barefoot. So you've got to be smart about this stuff. You can't go zero to hundred with anything in fitness or life. So progressive, gradual introduction is key. If you don't do that, you could lead to things like stress fractures, plantar fasciitis, tendonitis, a lot of gross things like Many athletes will say, especially in the NBA, they say, just take care of your feet. If you don't take care of your feet, you're, you're, you're done. Like Shaquille O'Neal, man, like there, there was one of the arguably the most dominant player to ever play basketball or sports in general. And due to his size and, you know, and he would even say lack of conditioning during the offseason, getting too heavy, probably 400 plus pounds at one point. They never admitted it. But I mean, if he came in. Seven one seven two at three fifteen at six percent body fat in his early Orlando days, like right into the league. You remember how he looked then, and then how big he got. Don't tell me that frame couldn't add eighty five pounds. I had I had great debates on this with people in college, but that dude was four hundred pounds. Okay, <laughs> so make no mistake about it. Um, and, and it took a took a brutal toll on his feet, and it, it shortened his career. So the feet are key. Mechanical issues with the foot may require the use of a structured shoe or orthotic. I, I had times of my life growing up when my knees were so bad that I actually had to get an orthotic intervention because I would roll on the outside of my foot so much and basically would just wear the outer sole of the shoe. And I just, I had so many issues up the kinetic chain, uh, you know, ankle sprains. I had shin splints. I had plantar fasciitis. I had stress fractures on my feet. I had obviously terrible tendonitis in my knees. I've had surgeries, arthroscopies. Brutal stuff. Like I've been through a lot and just never realized how much of the source or origins of the problems were at the level of the foot. And I'm still addressing these, by the way. That's why it's so important in your youth. A lot of the patterns you ingrain in your youth are very tough to break when you're an adult. So especially as a kid, like let them play outside barefoot. Let them run around in the grass barefoot. You know, uh, they can play sports with shoes on, obviously, unless they're in a barefoot or shoeless training league. But the importance of play barefoot on, on, you know, forgiving surfaces is so important. It'll set the tone for good movement for life, in my opinion. So don't, don't forget that. I get questions too on, you know, 
when should kids train, what should kids do. I'm going to be doing a podcast on that soon. I've gotten some voice messages on that. So stay tuned. Getting a lot of good stuff coming through, so we'll address it all. Some of these take a little longer to prepare uh, and outline, but uh, if you sent that voice message, I will answer it unless I contact you and let and just try to follow up and get more information. But just stay tuned. And the best place to start, you know, again, so if you don't have like very specific issues or abnormalities that require a professional to look at, just start with five or 10 minutes. And ideally, the best place is to kind of just do it during warmups. You know, if you do like a series of lunges and bear crawls, planks, whatever, and uh, uh, barefoot squatting, mobility drills, even some light running, you know, build up runs or whatever uh, on a on turf, grass, sand. That's a great way to get some barefoot training in and then put your shoes on and get to work. That's a great way to introduce it and start getting the benefits. And good warm-up is all about mobility, activation, joint positioning, priming the system, getting the nervous system firing. So that is the perfect time to get barefoot and just get things aligned and fired. And then you put the shoes on and, and hopefully it carries through. It's probably not going to be as good as if you were barefoot the whole way, but um, you'll, you'll definitely get some benefits that way. And there is a huge advantage to lower body moves uh, done barefoot, especially like all calf training I do barefoot unless I'm doing really heavy seated or machine calf raises where the platform is just too much pressure on the foot. But like all my single leg calf raise stuff, you know, donkey standing, donkey is just bent over with a hip hinge to get more of the uh, more stretch on the upper gastroc and just a great variation to work in. And I love, by the way, I love doing calf training on something called the sand dune stepper, which is basically a, this like purple pillow pad that tries to recreate the feel of sand, but you know, on, on dry land training environments and it's expensive. People complain about the price, but anybody who gets it loves it. They use it all the time. And it's also great padding for your knees uh, when doing mobility work on the ground. All my gear is at gardenofgains.com with a Z. And by the way, any reference to anything that I offer is at my new site, bjgador.com, B-J-G-A-D-O-U-R.com. Links to everything. So it's a great umbrella site so you can find everything you're looking for that I'm associated with. So be sure to check that out. It looks really cool too. Really proud of what we put together there. But game changer. So I, I do even do lunging on that, uh, single leg squats or isometric holds, like a bunch of great stuff that really help uh, strengthen the foot and just get all the facets of those intricate you know, tendons, ligaments, joints, the connective tissues all around the foot just involved. It's just, you, you'll feel the difference. It's great. It really is. And I, I even do some uh, jump training kind of onto the sand dune stepper or while being on it and it actually dissipates some of the impact forces of landing, but also really creates uh, the need for the feet and, and to really lock in that tripod foot position and get in good positions that'll translate to higher level, higher impact plyometrics or sports. So I'm a huge fan of that stuff. Check it out. But, you know, squats, major advantages for stability and strength. Though there still is a role for things like squat shoes or Olympic lifting shoes. If we're doing, you know, uh, high bar squatting where it's very difficult to get your trunk upright unless you're very short or have very short thigh bones or like freakish mobility, it's tough to get down to depth, at least in, in depth in terms of competition, parallel or slightly lower, without getting too much of a forward trunk position, which puts a lot of stress in your spine. So having that elevated heel can actually allow you to sit taller and deeper and get better positioning so you can stay in um, for, for heavier loads, but also, you know, as you fatigue during higher rep sets, you can start to lean. It just allows you to get better positioning, though if you use them all the time, uh, you will probably be a little too quad dominant and your 
hamstring, glute development could suffer and you could deal with things like knee pain, etc. So again, it just can't be in any, any one thing for everything or for too long. For deadlifts, there's an immediate advantage because when you wear shoes, you are actually elevating your, your body off of the ground. You're actually creating more range of motion than if your feet were flat on the floor. Beyond the fact that a cushioned shoe makes it very hard for your body to produce force. It dissipates through the, the, the cushioned sole into the ground versus the feet are totally flat on the ground. There's not only a mechanical advantage and better leverage, less range of motion, less path, the less the bar has to travel when you're barefoot versus shoes, but you just can create more force. But even, again, lunges, because again, lunges are dynamic. You're actually, your foot is going from uh, being in contact with the ground to not being in contact with the ground. And it's so important for joint health, performance, injury reduction, for your foot be, to be able to come on and off the ground. Like, what is that? That's locomotion. That's running. That's agility. That's movement. To be able to reclaim position and then come away and, and then reclaim it again, especially dynamically and through movement and multiple planes of motion. So it's critical. Just, you know, don't start doing heavy lunges. Start with bodyweight lunges, barefoot. Swings, same thing like deadlifts, right? When you have an elevated heel, you can be prone to kind of going more on the toes where, you know, the swing in particular on the back part of the swing where it swings behind your hips, you want the weight to shift towards the heels. That actually maximizes the activation of the glutes, the whole posterior chain backside of the body. Hip thrusts, you know, pushing through a thick, heavy heeled shoe makes it hard to really uh, fully activate the glutes and get full hip extension. But not just for lower body stuff, by the way. And then a lot of people make fun of me. It's like, we wearing socks. It's like, yeah, man, like, I don't care what, what, what I look like. I'm trying to maximize the gains. I also want to be safe. If I'm going to put the time in the gym, I want it to, to translate into better performance outside of the gym. And I want to be resilient. I do this for longevity. So, you know, I got no problem with people making fun of me for wearing socks. But some people do. You got to, again, a lot, of, a lot of the issues we have just in training come down to ego. And here's another example. Like, I wouldn't be caught dead barefoot. What a loser. But, okay. Miss all the benefits and be, be an ass. That's up to you. But even for moves like push-ups and bear crawls, I touch on the midfoot, the metatarsals. One of the big important functions you need for optimum performance is you've got to be able to create uh, flexion through the toes and through the midfoot. And uh, you just think like the back foot on a, on a lunge or a split squat. Or if you're in a sport position, you're grappling or you're on the, the line in the football field and there's a staggered stance and the back foot is going to be, you've got to be able to create motion through the toes in the middle of the foot. And being in heavily thick footwear, structured tight footwear makes you lose motion through those segments of the foot and, and it'll bleed performance and it'll get you in bad position. So push-ups, great for strengthening the toes and midfoot. Bear crawls, excellent. That's why like, I fucking love bear crawls as a starter or finisher. One of my favorite combinations like like one of the the best two warm-up drills ever and by the way because of the fact there are so many different ways i can go to my youtube channel top youtube.com slash bj by the way all links at bj for social media as well i have my top 10 bear crawl variations i have all these different lunging variations you can check out so it's not just like a basic walking lunge and a basic bear crawl you can like mix so one of the things i do like for a warm-up you do a minute bear crawling and then a minute lunging this is all done barefoot and then, and it's nonstop. And, and it's so great too, because uh, start with the bear crawl. It actually warms up the quads, strengthens the knees, improves breathing mechanics, uh, properly lines the ribs on top, of the, uh, on top of the pelvis, activates all the key stabilizers around the shoulder and hip, 
and actually does improve lunging mechanics too. So doing the bear crawl before the lunge will result in better lunges, but they also kind of feed each other because uh, as you open up the hips and activate the thighs and glutes, you'll actually feel them more on the next bear crawl. So minute one bear crawl, minute two lunging, and then every minute you switch between them and you can also switch the variation. So go from a linear bear crawl to a lateral bear crawl, go from a, a, a walking lunge to a lateral lunge, right? So just an, um, like you're talking about like quick takeaways, do five to 10 minutes of that or six to 10 because you're going to do a minute each. You want to keep it balanced of just basic barefoot crawling, bear crawling and lunging. And you will get so many benefits in terms of mobility, activation, joint positioning, performance, injury reduction, etc. And then you can put your shoes back on if you need to. Game changers. So uh, you get more force production, barefoot, better leverage advantages. And I incorporate them with just limited doses with plyos and running. Like if I'm doing very short duration, uh, longer rest or five to 10 rep or less sets of like plyometrics, I'll do them barefoot in most cases, as long as the ground is forgiving. But if I'm going to do like really high repetitive stuff for, for time, you know, that's when you got to put the right shoe on, right? Because not only again, you wear the skin of the feet out, but it just, it's a lot, right? I mean, we don't want to completely abandon the advantages of good shoe technology. We just don't want to rely upon the shoe too much and let the feet get dumb and stupid and ugly. They do get ugly when they get all tight like that and rolled over. Like I, there's been times I've taken off my shoes and the fucking toes are like rolled over each other. I already have webbed toes between my second and third toe. And uh, so it just, it gets even uglier, but only halfway up. My mom has like, it's all the way up. It looks like one disgusting congealed toe. So I guess my dad offset a little bit of that, but it still is a bit hideous. It, it would make me, it's funny too, because people have actually said, oh, look, he's got, I love his feet. Or they'll say, his feet are even sexy too. It's like, you must not be looking close enough. Or maybe I'm hiding the web toe enough, but maybe, maybe the web toe was a fetish too, on top of a foot fetish. It's like, I love feet, but particularly web feet, web toes. And I'm a terrible swimmer, so what the fuck? You're going to be this mutation that I can't swim very well? But I digress. For very high impact and high volume activities, uh, use a minimalist cross training shoe. And when you do 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 your barefoot stuff, that more running plyometric stuff, you know, soft surfaces like turf, grass, or sand in the beginning are critical. Or you know, cool training tools like the sand dune stepper make a lot of sense. So, in finishing off here, one of the most commonly asked questions we've gotten over the years is beyond like, why are you barefoot? Why are you wearing socks? But then when I do wear shoes. What are the best workout shoes? So here are, here are my opinions on the best training shoes. I'm not affiliated or sponsored by anyone. So this is a truly honest assessment. I have had some of these shoes sent to me for free over the years, but I don't get compensated. And, and at this point, I, I just I will buy them. Because I used to get sent a lot of things when I was at Men's Health. Not as much anymore, but that's fine. And uh, I will still default to specialized sneakers where needed. I gave the boxing example. I, I do think like I have these really nice Adidas gold boxing shoes beyond like they're gold and gold is best. And they look really nice. Uh, they, they have enhanced my boxing performance because uh, when I use my barefoot training socks, which I highly recommend by the way, let me touch on that. Um, my buddy, so again, I, I am biased because one of my college teammates, Brendan McKee, awesome football player, by the way, he does MMA. He is a co-founder of a company called uh, Pedestal Training, Pedestal uh, Footwear, uh, which is just like this, these amazing barefoot training socks that have these uh, kind of gripping aspects in the bottom of the foot for stability and, and anti-slippage. And they're very sturdy. And you can do, I, I do plyometric stuff on them on rubber floor and 
other other things, and and, and they really do hold up really well. They're, they're they're more expensive than regular socks because of this, but you'll get what you pay for. They, uh, the ones he sent to me have lasted forever, and they have many versions, and they're constantly improving. But those are the socks you see me wear when I'm doing barefoot stuff in videos. And uh, he is my buddy, and I love the guy, and I respect him. And uh, we did we have had sex, but that's not why I uh, will recommend them. They're just legit, and, and it's especially if you have like sweaty feet. I've got sweaty, clammy feet. My wife, her feet have never once sweat. I don't even know who this person is sometimes. Like, like my feet are, I, I shower, I, I clean them, soap them up, and then within five minutes, I, I'm already like, I can see there's dog hair on the bottom of my feet because they're so fucking moist at all times. But she never deals with that. But for me, if, if I go barefoot, barefoot, I, I can slip and get hurt because my feet are always so moist. So that's part of the reason I wear them too. But if I wear them for an entire workout, especially when there's a lot of pivoting, cutting, etc., I can start to get like uh, blisters and and the skin will actually break open a little bit. So that's when I'll use things like the boxing shoes or the minimalist shoes. And I mentioned there's still a place for, especially Olympic lifting, uh, powerlifting endeavors where, uh, weightlifting endeavors where it makes sense to use uh, the elevated heel squat shoe, et cetera. I've used those in the past when I was, when I used to do those lifts and, and they were helpful in some ways, but I would always try to at least do warm ups or back offsets or lighter work barefoot to just offset what happens in, in that structure too with the elevated heel. So again, just, just, you know, don't, abandon what, what's been working for you. Just offset it with as much barefoot stuff as possible and, and you'll see the difference. You really will. So here are my minimalist shoe rankings. In order, like there's four that people know and, and this is in order of, of my recommendation from uh, best to worst or favorite to least favorite. The Nike Metcons, number one. Number two, New Balance Minimus. Number three, No Bulls. And number four, Reebok Nanos. So the Nike Metcon, and I, I've tried every version. I think... I like the fours the best, but um, the fives are kind of cool because they come with this optional insert that you can put in the heel if you're doing, you know, things like, uh, though it, I hate the fact that the Metcon has a CrossFit affiliation, but it's not as bad as the Nano. Like the Nano is like, it's, you wear the Nanos, it's like, oh, you do CrossFit too? I'm like, no, I don't want, I don't want you to think that I do. I will, by the way, do a... An episode, because I've been asked so many times over the years, and it's like, whatever, I, do I care what people think or if I burn bridges at this point? But people want my honest opinion, and I'll, I'll do an episode called CrossFit, the good, the bad, the ugly soon, because there is a bit of each, right? It's it's not uh, all bad or all good or anything like that. There There's some there's some gray area and some I knew should have talked about there, but, you know, I, I guess if I'm being completely honest, I don't want to be affiliated with it, so I don't want to wear... A shoe that is like, oh, he's a CrossFitter. Um, but beyond the fact that I don't, I don't really care for the Nano. I'll touch on that in a second. But the fives do have that optional heel insert if you want to be more um, upright trunk position for uh, certain squat variations or movements like wall balls, for example, where you have to be a very upright trunk. And it just gives you better positioning. And then you can take it out when you want to go more flat. So that, that was pretty cool. I like that innovation. But I think the four is just a little bit better. And the only thing, I like the wide toe box. I like the feel and look, and it's got just the right amount of cushioning without being uh, too much and keeping that good ground contact without, you know, feeling like you're uh, wearing space shoes. But it, it still is a little bit slippery in the bottom surface. Like, again, I always look at, because I sweat so much and I create these puddles on the floor and, um, you know, the rubber on rubber, when the wet floor, the wet rubber floor with the rubber shoes, like it slips. 
So that's one. That would be my one knock, like being able to create a better soul. And in general, if we could find a way to fuse the Nike Metcon series with the soul of the New Balance Minimus, they have that Vibram soul, which actually does really stick onto the floor. And I've, I've worn and shown the Minimus for a long time, have, have recommended for a long time. And I, I kind of stopped recently because I was using them during boxing. And uh, because of all the pivoting of the feet, I, I was actually like tearing the bottom of the sole a lot. And uh, the sole was coming off. So up until that point. So if I change anything over the years, like it's just because either new activity or I'm just noticing something I hadn't noticed before. So it was a damn shame because I actually like the Minimus a lot. And if I could just find a way to get – and also it's a bit too narrow for me personally. Again, a lot of this is an individual and preference space, right? I have a wider foot. So I need a wider toe box. And I thought it was just a little too narrow. And uh, But the best sole for gripping anti-slipping was the New Balance Minimus. It really is. It just, But unfortunately, uh, and I've heard a lot of people actually complain about this, the bottoms will tear uh, with certain real uh, pivoting, high-impact uh, activities. So just pay attention to that. Um, the Nobles, I've shown those before. To me, those are more like, it's a nice minimalist shoe. You can use it during exercise, but I, I would honestly just wear it out. It's a little bit, a lot of people complain about how hard it is and it just feels like you're running on concrete when you wear them. They're not wrong and uh, super slippery. Like this, the slipperiest shoe I've ever had on. I'll, I'll be in, it's so funny because I, I wear them out more than anything else and I wear them and, it's, and we had at the beginning of the show, Eric mentioned he had just had five guys and when I go into five guys wearing the Nobles, and I'm not sure if it's like some of the oil and the fries or just whatever on the floors, but I will literally feel like I'm on skates. I'll just, I'll be standing and I'll be like, I find after a minute I have moved locations. There's been a displacement without my, without intending to, just because they're so fucking slippery. So they're not very safe, in my opinion, for uh, a lot of movement. Running, you know, doesn't require a lot of change of direction or you're just, you're basically falling forward for time when you run. When, when you do it right, by the way, that's what it is. You're just falling forward and, uh, you know, circling your wheels, but real, uh, trouble from a slipping standpoint. And, uh, they could be a little wider too, in my opinion, and they're elevated enough where, um, I think there can be a little bit of a, in terms of the actual sole itself, where there can be some possible rolling of the ankle issues. Again, everybody has a different experience. The nanos were always my least favorite. They were slippery. Uh, I didn't really like the feel of them. Uh, just not not my thing, and uh, maybe my bias against CrossFit uh, has swung me that way. But again, I tried all these and, and totally unaffiliated. I'd go with the Metcon as the best overall shoe. And if there could be a way that the Metcon could be more uh, a better gripping sole, anti-slipping sole, it, it would be like by and far the best in my opinion. So I hope this helped. Uh, commonly asked question: uh, the real takeaway is, you know. Uh, don't abandon what you've been doing, but just find a way to strategically and gradually work in some barefoot training into your program, your routine. It'll make a huge difference in terms of maximizing performance, preventing injury, and uh, improving joint position and muscle activation across the board. It, it's, it's a game changer. It really is. And uh, you might look a little bit foolish when you do it, but like I say, if you still worry about what people think about you when you train, you've already lost and you will never get where you're trying to go. Fuck them. It's all about you, man or woman in the mirror, like I've talked about before. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, please send your questions to me on Anchor, a free app for Apple and Android devices. 
And you can hopefully send me one that's longer than four seconds, like the anonymous questioner today. But we should thank her because she made me do this podcast. And, and I'm sure a lot of you have wondered about this over the years and you got my recommendations finally. And uh, it only took her four seconds. So maybe leave me a longer than four second message with your questions. I will consider them for a future episode. I love getting your voices on the show. It means a lot to me. You can also, by the way, when you're on Anchor, hear music that comes with the episode, which enhances the episode in my honest opinion. A five-star rating and review. If you have a foot fetish and you love webbed toes in particular, I will give you a full cam experience. You just let me know if you give me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Helps us spread the word to more good people like you. And get us higher in the rankings. And the more I see people listening and loving, the more I will put into this motherfucking show. So you want that foot fetish um, show, I'll do it for uh, a review. Just let me know. I've already offered, by the way, at this point, I've offered uh, any sexual act of your choice. And now I'm going as specific as like a, a foot cam show. Just to get the rating and review. Something you'd expect to hear on a podcast entitled The Weekly BJ Podcast. And... Your host, PJ Godur, says, I love you. Keep showing up. Get better every single day. Make a change. Love you guys. Peace.